0: what do you know about that man <laughs> that was pretty fun
1: <laughs> i told my wife that and she died laughing i went back and listened to just that part of the podcast just so i could hear that story
0: <laughs> <laughs> i thought it was
1: pretty funny what do you guys say we get into it all right good. i'm chase whininger host of the podcast lee mcclellan co-host i hope everybody's doing well i love this time of year and today's guest marcus bowling Glad to be here. Boating safety officer. You're with the law enforcement division. You've been on before, right? Yes. Yes. So what all do you do, Marcus?
2: Uh, Mostly anything to do with boating education in the state or boating safety in the state. Uh, Go around, talk, teach. Um, Covers most of my things that I do.
1: There, and then that's good because I actually have a couple of questions today. One thing I want both of you all's help with, but mm-hmm. kind of the way I thought we'd go through it today: boating safety. And honest, honestly, Marcus, you're going to have to give me an update on this, like. It's not looking super hot if you look at the news as far as how we're doing this year. Um, I've got some news articles that have been, you know, sent to me that, I mean, three at Green River Lake in two weeks is is not good. But you're in the know on that, so you can give us more details and kind of let us know what's going on and kind of what's going wrong and what people can do better. I wanted that. I'm planning two kayak trips right now, and I need your all's help with both of Mm. them. One of them I need your help with, Marcus. One of them I need your help with, Lee. All right. And then uh, there's a lot of fishing opportunities going on right now. I will say, if you want to hunt anything other than coyotes and groundhogs, you better get after the squirrels because there's only about a week left. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking at coyotes or groundhogs pretty much until the fall. Mm-hmm. So if you want to scratch that itch, get out of there with the 22 or shotgun. Mm-hmm. Time to do it.
0: I remember when the June squirrel season just
1: that's what we called it at the beginning. Now it's spring squirrel season. Yep. I remember when that. Just went operational I when I first started. It, I don't think it's utilized very much, but it is tough, you know. You ever tried to get after the spring? I squirrel? always
2: enjoyed working it, I always enjoyed going out and trying to find the early squirrel hunter. Really,
1: yeah. So, how, tell me about that. How is that different? I mean, just
2: it's just, I mean, it just is not something that people thought about. I yeah. mean, you know, we pretty much until dove hits you don't think about the squirrel as much but i enjoy doing it like early and frog gigging working frog giggers yeah (laughs) Uh, just stuff that's out of the norm everybody always thinks deer turkey Mm -hmm. the big things and forget about sometimes the smaller stuff
1: now do you have you're talking about as a conservation officer on patrol going out and looking for these hunters so you can check them do you feel like people who are kind of doing those niche opportunity like spring squirrel hunting is kind of a niche thing right it's not something everybody and the brothers just going on the what to do do you feel like those people are more likely to be compliant because it is kind of a niche thing i've always wondered if you know like
2: i don't know if that had i mean i'm i'm there was some violations maybe but mm -hmm. on the majority of the time no and i don't know if that would have played a part in it or not
1: it kind of seems to me like i've always just been curious about that are the niche things that you know like mm-hmm. only a small group of people do less likely to see issues because you know you're not casting a wide net necessarily you're kind of casting a small right. net and-
2: no i don't know i know i always would talk when people talk about taking somebody hunting for the first time i always try to encourage them to take them squirrel hunting first yep. mm-hmm. get them started on the small stuff before they jump a lot of times people jump into the deer hunting yeah. mm-hmm. and it's just a little overwhelming it's too much yeah. not yes. just
1: that but i mean honestly if you think about squirrel hunting you're walking, you're moving, you can talk, you're going to get shots, multiple shots. You know, you can take a dog, you can work with a dog. Mm -hmm. Deer hunting, a lot of times, first people's time out, they're just sitting and waiting. Mm -hmm. And honestly, for a kid or for a new hunter, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. Like
0: bluegill fishing is the best thing to start out with, not taking them on a big lake for bass and they've got to learn to fish a worm deep or whatever, you You know? know, You know,
1: I agree with that, but I, I did... So I get, I feel like I get all my good thinking done when I'm driving, mm-hmm. you know, because I've Wind, got windshield time. I've got two hours a day in the car, just staring at the road. So, I was thinking last week that, uh, like bluegill, yeah, great way to introduce people to fishing, but that next step up, like I just for some reason in my mind, I feel like gar and drum are super underutilized because mm-hmm. you can catch them anywhere. They're fun to catch. They aren't hard to catch, and they put up a good fight. They're big fish. There's
0: some. I, there's some big ones in Elkhorn. Man, the last time I floated, that went over top of some
1: whoppers. Yeah. What county? You can always tell that round the tail. Uh, That's how you tell that drum. What county in the state doesn't have ten pound drum or three feet gar? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're everywhere. They're not that hard to catch. And, you know, these days, people like the pictures, you know? People I want... saw Tim caught a gar on the yeah. creek, it looked like, didn't he? He caught a big drum the other day, too. <laughs> but And what provides a cooler picture than the gar, you know, with Man. all the teeth and stuff? So I just feel like... Yeah, it, it looks like a dinosaur, because it is a dinosaur. I just feel like, you know, they always get the reputation as trash fish, and people don't, like, advocate fishing for them that much. But if you're trying to introduce people to fishing, go down there and s- drown some night crawlers in mm-hmm. the creek or the river and mm-hmm. catch those 10-pound drum because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Oh,
2: yeah,
0: they fight big
2: time.
1: Yeah, I feel like that's something we should push I've caught them on Kentucky work. Lake on crankbaits and stuff, bass
0: fishing. You're like, boy, it's a big bass.
1: Boy, and then you see the rounded tail. Baw, baw, but yeah. it's still yeah. fun, oh, you know. It is. It's big fun. You know, one thing that's always you know kind of gotten me about the drum is I can go down to the Ohio River, and I can throw a curly-tail grub or a swim bait, and I can catch them left and right. But if I go to Elkhorn Creek, I can put whatever lure I want to right in front of one, and he's not going to pick it up. I know. You know what I mean? They're so, hard to catch in the creek. I don't understand the difference. I guess water clarity? Chad? I, think, I think they see you. That's Ch- what I would say. Chad thinks it's the turbulent water of the river. He mm-hmm. thinks that all the bait and everything's always swirling and getting mixed up, and there's bubbles, and they can't see that well. So that's why they'll strike a lure. But in the creek, you know, they, he, he pretty much agrees with you, but he thinks it's the turbulence of the yeah, water.
0: But I, I, I'd say there's some of that, too. You know, right. Kentucky Lake, they hit it because Kentucky Lake typically is stained. So yeah. they're yeah. slashing out of what they think is something. But Belcorn Creek, they look up, oh, Lee got a new dent in this kayak. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, saw, a new I saw him on. two weeks ago. That's a new scratch <laughs> that's here. <laughs> new scratch <on. laughs>
1: that's true. That's, that's, that's the hard part, though, honestly, because floating these creeks, like me and Kristen have been going to Green River quite a bit and we see these huge fish right like we see them and then we can't catch them and then the next trip down we'll see them again can't That's catch them and then the third trip we know where we're going to see them and we cast to it before we get up there and maybe we catch them you know what i mean like something about learning the creek that way Arden floated over the weekend did he tell you he was there the same day I did. he did the same stretch as me the same day as me and i didn't see him i didn't see him put in and take but him. he said he saw big Big smallmouths and it was during
0: the middle of the day, bright, hot. And yep. he said they just, just wouldn't do it. Yeah, uh, just wouldn't
1: do it. Yeah, he told me, he sent that email. He told me where he <laughs> saw him at. And I bet you, I mean, one of those smallmouths he saw could be that monster Kristen caught. Oh, that was. Because it was in the exact same spot. But, I mean, there's there's big smallies like that. Well, I'd say there. Kristen made that smallmouth the smartest smallmouth
0: in Green River. <laughs> you, you know what? The Yeah.
1: You know. Yeah, I, I wish they don't I, get big by being dumb. Wish I would have seen hard in that day. But and so that's one of the things I need to help planning a float with is cause I'm gonna venture away from that. We'll get to that here in a little bit. As far as, you know, Marcus being here, we got our our expert on boating safety. Kinda of tell me what's going on as far as boating safety, drownings in the state, year to date, how do we look?
2: Well, so like I mean, you know, Memorial Weekend kinda kicks off boating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So from Memorial Weekend to Labor Days, the big boating season. Uh, And we've had 23 incidences this year already uh, Mm -hmm. with fatalities. Uh, Two of those have just been boat-related, and the rest have been either like fishing from the bank or like the gentleman at uh, Green River, you know,
1: backing his boat in. And there was a swimmer as well. Yep, there
0: was three, like you said. So we've had 23 incidences, but how many fatalities? Twenty? Twenty-three. Okay, uh, okay, wow. That we keep
1: track of, yeah.
2: So, and usually in a typical year, which – it always varies, but usually between forty and fifty. Mm-hmm. So I mean at the start of the season we're already up pretty high. Um yep. so and you know the number one thing you can always preach about is life jackets. Mm-hmm. I mean life jackets are going to save your life. Mm-hmm. Um even and I and because of what's happened at Green River, I tell people when I teach and stuff, and I really honestly do, if I go swimming in the lake or I go swimming in the river I wear a life jacket mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't swim without it Just because It's not like a swimming pool Where you know where the side is Or where you know how mm-hmm. deep it is You mm-hmm. don't know And it just You can get yourself in a pickle So yeah. I always wear my life jacket When I get in a lake Or jump off a rope Swing in the creek okay, Or whatever yeah. So because you just never know
0: then you, you know Say so you hit your head, yep. you know, by accident. Yep.
2: And, I mean, I even urge people, if you're not a strong swimmer and you're fishing from the bank, it's probably a good idea to wear a life jacket. Mm-hmm. Because if you slip and fall in, you just never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they make all kinds of different life Do we
0: jackets. have somebody pass away from fishing on the bank?
2: There probably is out of the 21. I don't know for sure to be specific. But... You know they make all the life jackets now where they're auto inflates the waste packs they make them they're unencumbersome so you know if you're not a strong swimmer or the water you're scared of the water wear something when you're out there fishing on the bank
1: that's the number one thing wear a life jacket yeah Mm -hmm. it
2: saves lives it's that's that's going to save your life Uh,
1: absolutely i was at taylorsville uh, twice not long ago and well the first time i went there i saw um christian casper officer casper and abrams out on the lake doing water patrol and I saw him pull two people over and the one they pulled over I remember because I, I you know we were close enough to kind of hear and uh, it was a uh someone under 12 who didn't have a life jacket on Mm. and they just pulled up and you know told the people you know you can be cited for that and made them put a life jacket on they left without them. so it's kind of i saw them you know focusing on that life jacket part while they were out there and then i also jumped in the lake to do some swimming had my life jacket on like you said and i was just curious because i never had done it before so i just went like you know unconscious i just pretended i was unconscious and i wanted to see how my life jacket would float me yeah, and it really did. I mean, the chest came up, and my mm-hmm. head tilted back, and my that's nose and does. mouth was above water, yeah. and I and I was just completely, almost like lifeless in the water. And I was like, well, I guess that's good to know. Yeah. You know, this thing actually will. If something happens, float me like I need to be floated. Yeah. So, cool to see. And you were talking about different styles of life jackets. The the inflatables are great because they're low profile. But if you get if you're a fisherman and you you can get a life jacket that's made for fishing, the pockets and stuff and the yes. zippers almost make it worth wearing in itself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because yeah. put all your gear in. If I'm going out in the Ohio <laughs> River, I can stuff a pack of you know Zoom flukes and a quarter ounce jig heads in my pocket, not have to wear a backpack or anything. And every time I break off and need to retie, my baits are right there at my chest, so it makes it super easy.
0: Mm-hmm. My my Stokkus, it's a kayak paddle, but it also folds. It has. Uh, areas that click, like you can put in there and click. So even if you fall, you're not going to lose like a small box or whatever. But also it folds out, and makes like a little table. So if you need to re and everything, you've got you're not you know yeah. you've got like a little and it has little mesh things on the side. So if it slips, it won't roll off. Yeah. So
1: I would highly suggest if you're an angler to look for a fishing kayak like or a fishing PFD yeah. like you just talked about or like I talked about because. <laughs> you'll find yourself like wanting to wear it mm-hmm. for the benefits that it gives you.
0: Especially on the Ohio, if you're down in the falls. It's,
1: well, it's, I mean,
2: it's, it's like I tell people, too. What do you do the first thing when you get in your car? Yeah.
0: Put your seatbelt that. That's
2: right, and 99% of the time you don't even remember doing that because mm-hmm. it's a habit. If you get in the habit of wearing your life jacket, it's second nature to you, mm-hmm. um, and you just do it. I mean, I do it, and like, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I take my dad fishing, and I'm all the time like, "Dad, put your life jacket on," especially when the boat's moving from one place to another, mm-hmm. and he won't do it, and I, he's just <laughs> not going to do it. because so, <laughs> yeah. he looks at me every time because I'm mm-hmm. hooking mine on and hooking my kill switch on, but it's just a habit. I mean, mm-hmm. I've done it so much now that it's just
0: well, it it'll happens. save you, you yep. know.
1: Yeah, and so. you know, I mean, there's we wish everybody'd wear it all the time, but there is laws. And, you know, adults have choices that they get to make, and but youth under the age of 12 don't. And, you know, I understand, too. I mean, sometimes me and Kristen go kayaking. She obviously wants to soak up some sun, you know. She doesn't want these tan lines. So a lot of times she'll have hers accessible, you know, where she can grab it, but if she's swimming, she throws it on, and that's kayaking small bodies of mm-hmm. water. She wouldn't do that on a lake, I don't think, because, mm. heck, she's had a boating accident before, so I think she's probably pretty in tune with wearing it. Yeah,
2: so. I'd say that left a
0: impression on
1: oh yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, i mean uh, a big impression you can see it all the way down her leg 120 stitches so oh wow yeah mm-hmm. yeah what else we got marcus what are, i mean life jackets, um, life number jackets number
2: are always important um you know you need to make sure they fit you right you don't need mm-hmm. one that doesn't fit you right yeah. um, and we were talking about the auto inflates and i've talked to mustang you know mustang makes a lot of life jackets but the waistband life jacket is manual only, yeah. which means if you go in, you've
1: got, you've to, got pull. to pull it. Oh, okay. And
2: I asked him, I said, why don't you all make one that's auto-inflate?
1: Because people get wasted. Yeah,
2: because that's what I would even like to have when I'm fishing. If I'm by myself, I wear the waistband. Mm-hmm. But uh, they they said they thought about it, but that it just wasn't feasible, and I can't really remember the reason. But Well,
0: it'll pop it all the time. Well, yeah. One of my good friends, we were on Elkhorn, and uh, he just bought an auto-inflate. And... Uh, Stuffed it and all. We went through a couple of drops. He didn't have it on, and he's like, yeah, I'll, "I'll put this." He had it on for a little while, and they got hot and stuffed it. We went over a drop or two and got went over a couple of standing waves. <laughs> and he's like, um, "Some some unsavory uh, words came out of his yeah, mouth." <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He was mad. No, I, I do have a question on that. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to throw your friend under the bus here, but doesn't now doesn't mm-hmm. auto inflate count? If you're not wearing it.
2: So that's a very great Mm -hmm. thing to talk about. The auto
1: inflates,
2: you need to really read the label on them most of them say must be worn to be legal. Because of the way they inflate, like Mm -hmm. if Lee goes in the water and I throw it to him, until it gets under the water a certain amount, the pressure and is not going to release it. So it does no good. But now there are a few out there on the market that says does not have to be worn. But you just read the label. When you buy an auto inflate, read the label Mm -hmm. because it's going to tell you if it's got to be worn or not worn.
1: Okay, and that would make a difference there for like a kayaker because a PFD is required to be... Required to have one on you. Yes. Okay. So, So, and I I did that as a woods and water quiz. Like, if
0: if you have an auto inflate and you don't have it on, you don't have it, like, you don't even have it on the boat. It doesn't even count.
2: The other important thing about auto inflate is they haven't come up one yet that's good for somebody that's under the age of 16. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, a lot of these kids fishing in the bass tournaments and stuff in high school. It's something I try to remind them of. Like, look, until you hit 16, those don't count for you.
1: And now, that's age-based mm. and not size-based. That's yep. interesting. So it's an age-based me. thing. And order, that, okay. Well, I guess, I am I mean, you know, like car seats and stuff are size-based. And I, I think about it. When I was 16, I was probably bigger than most adults. So I'm so I'm, su- I'm surprised. I'm not disagreeing with it, but I'm surprised they go by age there and yep, not by yep. height slash weight or you know,
2: something. Like I don't that. know. And it all relates to safety in some yeah. way for them as a liability, I'm oh, sure. Oh, yeah. Insurance. Sure and, as well, yep. That
1: yeah, makes so. perfect sense.
0: But, you know, some people will buy like like say they bought a used johnny and a you know tiller drive and and it came with a Bunch of old life jackets, but if they're torn and you, need you know to, some of the stuff showing, they're, they're, they don't count. That's do they? one
2: of no. That's one of the things that make that's a requirement is they must be functional. Mm-hmm. So that means you need to inspect them. The buckles,
0: the zippers. Yeah, if the, the buck one of the buckles is broken or torn right, off and all that, not then gonna they're, work. They're, just, they're not legal.
2: I taught a group uh, yesterday, and I was explaining to them, I was like, if you put your life jacket on, like on jet skis, a lot of times they'll just throw their life jacket on and bebop over to the next marina or whatever, but they don't zip them and buckle them. If it's not zipped and not buckled it doesn't count mm-hmm. because it's not going to it's not going to do what it, the job it's meant to do so but no that's that's a very good thing and an, another thing i've got wrote down here to talk about too they call it a float plan it's the four w's but it's basically just telling somebody where you're going what you're doing and who you're with mm-hmm. um i still do that when i go fishing today i'll tell my wife you know i'm gonna be back at about seven going mm-hmm. to this boat ramp and this is what's going on just in case something goes on people know where to start looking for you
1: yeah that makes perfect sense. What about, so we got life jackets. We have, you know, kind of make a plan and let people know what's going on. How big of a role does, like, alcohol play? And uh,
2: so just no different than driving a vehicle. Mm-hmm. The It's in the top three for incidents on the water. Mm-hmm. Um, that and inattention. Uh, looking at your phone while you're driving or, or talking to somebody and not paying attention to what's going on. Yep. So those are the top factors in boat incidents, just like in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. So it's huge it just drinking and boating don't mix, yeah
1: I, I know you probably don't have this number in front of you, but I mean, it's say we we did the everybody had a life jacket on and and operators weren't you know b y um I mean, how much would it have cut down on that twenty three number I know there's obviously a few in there that were. You know, yeah, just you, just crazy accidents. You,
2: you never know. And, I mean, in the in our reports, annual reports, we do was alcohol-related. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times it's after the fact and you don't know. Mm-hmm. So, But there are statistics on that.
1: Yeah, but it would cut down a lot, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I know one of the ones at Green River was a, a back-end issue, a vehicle entrapment. So, obviously, a life jacket and alcohol weren't a factor there. So, there's some unavoidable type, yeah. just freak accidents. Um, there's always going to be a number on the board. But <clears throat> those two things you just mentioned, PFDs and and alcohol probably cut down on cut down down on a lot of stuff tremendously Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) and something that old Mike Fields and I always used to talk about was uh, the concept of boater's fatigue and if you out alcohol to that, it gets to be a nightmare situation. Yeah, I mean, but just m- yeah, literally being out in the sun and the movement of the boat, yep. it'll lull you into almost a trance-like state. Yes. So you throw some beers on top of that, and you've really it's got a like mess. Having
2: three, having one is like having three, mm-hmm. and we've all been there. If you've been on a boat all day, when you get home, you feel like you've been run over by a Mack truck. Mm-hmm. So, and
0: you lay in the bed, and you, you still yeah, feel like you're, yeah. you know, you so, still, you're still, so, waves are still moving. Yes. Yeah.
2: So alcohol trumps that tremendously so i mean but
0: even without alcohol people need if they're out there all day in the sun and in the heat they need to be cognizant of you know it'll dull your senses dulls your reaction time and uh can lead to some bad stuff happening
2: it's just not paying attention and like you said being tired and and stressed you don't realize that you're not you're just like god i'm hungry i'm ready to get home and not
0: as sharp as what we're gonna gonna have for dinner and you're not concentrating on yep. the task at you hand
2: always say take a bunch of water because you know once you're thirsty you're already dehydrated yep so you can never drink enough water um but there's just just make sure all your equipment on your boat works too i mean your bilge pump your your lights at y- night
0: your signaling the device the first
2: time you try your lights out on the year is not when you go on july 4th mm-hmm. for the first time yeah
1: you got it out of the garage so that's, yeah. that's what one of my questions for you actually for the was. Chi- yeah. So let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, I've got, got some kayak ones too. I got. I really want to go on two floats, right? I've been mm-hmm. hammering Green River here lately. I've been down the Elkhorn a couple times too. Bites getting tough, okay? Like it's just getting tough. I think we're post-spawn. I think mm-hmm. the water's warming up. I think it's low because of the drought. I think it's super clear. I think the fish can see you. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm wanting to catch the same type of fish I was catching a month ago, and mm-hmm. I'm just not doing it. Um, so now it was actually mike harden that did this to me um i was talking to him about some musky i had been seeing and i told him that i could move the fish but they just weren't biting but because of where it's at and the float i'm not getting there till noon one o'clock two o'clock in the afternoon and he just said one thing to me he said i bet they'd bite at night and i was like all hmm. right now i guess i have to do this at night <laughs> and so now i'm kind of dead set on putting in it you know dusk one night and starting the float and kayaking I mean if it's 50 CFS or 100 CFS you know and I've already been down the creek so many times I know there aren't logs and trees and stuff across it Um, so I I think I can do it safely but what would I need to do to kayak at night
2: so if you're going to kayak at night and you have a trolling motor hooked up Mm -hmm. Then you got to have your red and green lights mm-hmm. for navigation lights. See,
1: I don't have a troll motor. So, so
2: all you're going to have to have is a white light visible from 360 degrees.
1: Does that need to stay on, or does it's
2: supposed to stay on so people know where you're at? Okay, when so you're
1: anchored. so a white light and uh, is there like a signal? I think it's a good idea. Like I would always wear a headlamp anyway, mm-hmm. just because I'm going to need to be able to see what I'm doing. But that headlamp, most of them these days are bright enough where you can see them from, so I could always shine it at somebody. Yeah, a
2: lot of them have them. even the SOS thing built into them.
1: Yeah, they'll Feature. flash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, as far as kayaking at night. There's
0: a waterproof light, too, that comes, that a uh, company makes, and has a dome on it, and I, I have it. I've got a little dome you can screw on, and that gives it the 360. 360. Take it off, then you've got a beam light. It's pretty cool. And they've got a mount you can buy that you can mount on your kayak, and then you've got your 360 light taken care of. But when you need a flashlight, you got it, too.
1: I, I, I have one personally somewhere in a drawer. I don't know where it's at. But I have a set of kayak lights, but we have some here in the office, too, that are the same way, and you can g- literally go to Walmart and buy a set of nav lights for mm-hmm. 30 bucks.
2: Yeah, so. and they clip on. I mean, they yeah.
0: basically just clip yeah. onto your stuff. That's what I did on a, we had an old... Man, those old V-holes from the 60s that had the flat bottom, the tippiest boat you ever been in, we had, we had to use those on that boat. Oh, that boat was tippy.
1: <laughs> if I was going to be kayaking at night, is there anything else other than lights that would be different than the day for me as far as like no, what I should?
2: I'll say this to you. If you're out there fishing at night and you decide to take a Coleman lantern using Coleman fuel mm-hmm. or something that's got some f- uh, flammable Inbustable. petroleum, Then you got into the category if you need a a fire extinguisher, at least a Class B, Type Mm
1: B. That probably goes for like a camp stove, too, then, huh? It does.
2: It does. I tell people... When I talk to them, like I, when I teach, I say, "Hey, do you need? When do we need a fire extinguisher?" I'm like, "Oh, if we got a, a motorboat," and I'm like, "Okay," I said, "Do you ever think a kayak or a canoe needs a fire extinguisher?" I'm like, "No, you don't ever need a fire." I said, "What if you're going to go camp out and have a mm-hmm. propane grill take with you, or you do the lantern?" And I said, "Anytime you got something that's going to be flammable, got to have your fire extinguisher."
1: That makes that makes sense. Good way yeah. to think about it. Anything combustible. Yep. Yeah, no doubt.
2: Yep. So, so that would be that would be an extra one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the white light for just regular paddling.
1: Yeah, and that's interesting too because I used to think that nav lights were required for a kayak at night. I thought you needed the red and the green, the 360 in the back. I thought that's what you needed at all times. And then we were setting up a kayak shoot last year, kayak frog digging, and the guest we were mm-hmm. planning to go with didn't have nav lights on his boat. So here I am, you know, working for the department, right. thinking through can we can we do this. And so I was rushing around trying to find nav lights for kayaks. And then it was brought to my attention that, hey, vessels under Mm -hmm. certain size, um, powered, you know, manually, Manually. um, actually have a different set of rules. So that's one one thing I wanted to clear up with you today is what those rules were. Mm -hmm. So white light.
2: That and that. And I mean, I can never stress enough that every year. Read the guide Mm -hmm. because we all know because we work here. But things change all the time. I know. And I laugh when I first came to Fish and Wildlife. I'm like, oh, this is going to be should be simple. We have more rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. It is very confusing. And there's people ask me questions all the time. Like, oh, you've been here 20 years. You should know what you're talking about. I mean, there's sometimes I just have to go. I was like, I'm going to have to go look that up. Yeah,
0: cause because that's changed four times in the last and, 10 years. It's
2: just some question that I've never had to think about before.
0: Now, if, if you're operating your kayak in an area like, say, on Green River Lake instead of Green River at night, um it's wise to have everything correct? Do you need everything? Well, if, I mean, where other boats navigate, what, motor boats navigate. So
2: the whole premise behind it all is: is the white three sixty lets another person know that that boat is okay, there. Yeah. The red and green are navigation like
0: lights, which, which you know which,
2: which, like, which way he's coming. Yeah. Coming from your right, and a kayak that's not under trolling motor power, or something is usually not moving. That yeah. fast, but you can never be. I mean, what's it going to hurt? I yeah. mean, if you were going to be on a big lake and out there at night, I mean, I would go ahead and get it. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not going to hurt a thing. The more you make yourself
0: visible, to somebody else, the especially better. if there's some yeah. wakes and stuff, you can get and, and you know they can even see you. Yeah, and I try to talk to people on kayak too and. I don't think it's real smart for you to kayak at night on a, on a, on a lake that has a lot of well, boat traffic. on the big
2: lakes, you know, we'll catch kayakers out in the middle of the channel and mm-hmm. stuff. And, I mean, it's fine. I mean, you have a – it. You It's all legal. Means, that's yours. But when you've got a 35-foot Baja coming at 60 miles an hour mm. around a turn, yeah. you don't have – wonder
0: what like that. You don't have the – yeah.
2: You don't have much reaction. Yeah, you don't have now. a turbo paddle. So I'm just trying, trying to caution. <laughs> them, like, look, you're you're allowed to utilize the lake any way you see fit. But just be aware of things for safety purposes.
1: Yeah. There's an inherent risk with doing anything on the water. Yes. Like I mean, even if you do everything right, you're still there's yes. still some inherent risk that mm-hmm. you're taking. And I on. think that's yeah.
2: part of why you see some of the incidents you see yeah. because people go to the water and this is recreation, this is fun, and we don't you don't think about the danger aspect of it. So
1: yeah. mm-hmm. and I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the boating and fishing page on the website right now, or it's what is the title of this page? Let me scroll up to the very top. Boat Gen- yeah, generally, yeah. And this is a, a page that pretty much has everything listed. Mm-hmm. But looking at the nav light, you know where they show this on the vehicle, on the vessels, it does make sense for a kayak not to be required to have the red and the green because these are essentially telling mm-hmm. you which direction they're headed. Yeah. you know, you see the red light, right. and the green, so you can tell. Okay, well, they're going that way, so I need to veer.
2: Mm-hmm. Which boats?
1: Which boat is to
2: do
0: what? Yeah,
1: yeah, so. it's like right of way type deal. Yes, exactly. And but a kayak, you're the you're the boat's always always. If you're using a bigger same. kayak
0: and you have a trolling motor on it, you have to you have that have because you're actually you making ice power.
1: Yes. You know, if I was going to go fishing right now, say I had a boat, I was going to go fishing right now, I'd probably, this is the time of year where you'd start looking at night fishing, mm-hmm. right? And we were just talking about kayak fishing at night. The, 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 the same reason I want to go do that on the rivers or the creeks, it also applies to the lakes. So you're probably going to see a lot more people out there fishing from bass boats at nights and things mm-hmm. like that. And there's a little more risk that goes with that too. Mm-hmm. You know, um you'd never really know, like Chad when we go out at night, he always has a big Q beam. That stays Mm -hmm. on his uh, throttle, like, you know, where you put the boat in forward or reverse or whatever. It just stays wrapped around there. And so that way, when he's going down the lake at night, he can always pick that up and scan around. Make sure there's no log or anything like that. And there might be a boat out there that doesn't have lights. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just good to have something that, you know, especially if you're in a bass boat and you're running 35 miles an hour. To be able to scan with, so that's I'm trying to think of helpful. And some people
0: tips. turn their lights off when they're fishing because one, they don't they want their night vision to kick in, and two, mm-hmm. it gets rid of all the bugs. You know that yeah, white light. You biggest, can. That's the biggest complaint is all the bugs. Yeah you, yeah, your, yeah, you start right breathing around. them, and it gets you, a ma- you know, and go up your nose. And the all only
2: that. thing, and you're talking about the spotlight. Like me, I went striper fishing at Cumberland a couple weeks ago, and you have to because there's logs everywhere at night. But the one thing you got to be aware of is, is people still need to be able to see your red and green. Mm-hmm. And white, because that's what they use to determine where you're coming from. Don't
1: blind them with it. Yeah, like
2: Don't. you've all seen out too. You've seen the pontoons coming down. That's hot pink, mm-hmm. lime green, and purple, and that's all you see. And I, you know, well, you have to educate people on that. That look when you're going somewhere and anchoring in a cove, mm-hmm. that's fine, but not when you're running up and down the lake because yeah. people can't can't see your navigation yeah. lines. My
1: aunt, uh, we my aunt she wears a headlamp a lot when we're out working at night and stuff and she blinds me i mean i can't have a conversation with her night because it's literally just 300 <laughs> so it's kind of like that every time i try to talk to her at night. <laughs> but that's what you're saying to avoid and i always let her know too that she's blinding me it just goes right over
2: maybe she's doing it on purpose well, <laughs>
1: she just needs to be able to see me i guess <clears throat> But, yeah, the night fishing, I was trying to think, what have I picked up from being in the boat with these guys at night? Because, obviously, I don't do any of that myself. But that's helpful, and I've always thought that something to allow yourself to see. Like I said, logs, uh, unpowered boats. And uh, we went striper fishing at night on Cumberland not long ago, too. I hope you had more luck than we did. All shorts. All shorts? Well, you caught some stripers, though.
0: No, no, I know a lot of
2: people have got skunked. I get upset because I like to
0: catch walleye. I I like to eat walleye. Zero, zero walleye. I've heard several people say they that just bust
1: I'm Shane went three nights yeah, in a row he
0: was it. up there with us yeah we zero won.
1: we so. busted we went we, horrible night Yeah, horrible night and I'm not sure why it seemed like conditions were good but the bait wasn't up the L-Wives the L- weren't up on the well bait. the
0: lake is unusually low
2: yeah it's low now the L-Wives were up when we were there but yeah. it just and then we had some other friends
1: that went the week after and they did good well see you guys caught stripers at least they were just shorts but when we went we probably went before you I've had to guess we probably went we went right after Mother's Day when was the new moon? Um, we went in, yeah. We went like in May. It was early May, yeah. early to mid-May. I think it was like the 14th. And we could hear the owives, but they weren't on the bank. They were kind of scattered, like within 50 yards of the bank. And the, every now and then we'd hear a blow up, or every now and then we'd hear a walleye you know, do its little pop on the surface. But it was scattered. It wasn't on the bank. It was all over the place. So it made it kind of hard. We, we, it was a tough night. We saw one walleye Uh, because by the end of it we were just taking our headlamps and looking for fish and so we finally saw those eyes glowing and Mm -hmm. we i mean i i can't remember us catching anything to be honest it
2: got so bad for us at the end we started crappie fishing yeah (laughs) oh wow (laughs) with a lot of with a with a lot started crappie fishing did you catch any no caught one i think
1: no oh, man, that's it, <laughs> rough when you're on Lake Cumberland at night for striper and walleye. And <laughs> I <know>. Yeah, no,
0: am fishing.
1: Well,
0: if you go that far, you want to have something, to, you know, <laughs> yeah. tang your hat <laughs> you on, you know. Yeah,
1: heck yeah. The other float that I've been wanting to do is because I've, I've honestly, the water level hasn't changed. We've had a drought. Everything's been the same. Fishing's getting tough. So I'm thinking I'm going to explore some new water, right? And Russell Creek, one <laughs> you've just raved about Jimmy. <laughs> and you've talked about it on the podcast before too, but. I threw the idea out there yesterday. I said, how about we... Because we've been kayaking every weekend, one day a weekend. We go kayaking. Mm -hmm. And so I said, let's go somewhere new this weekend. Because we already know exactly what the other one's going to look like. So I think this weekend we're going to do Russell Creek. And so I wanted to pick your brain about where and what. You know, what fish can I expect to see? What's the water look like? Where do I put in and take out?
0: Well, I mean, there's two good floats. Um, I would... and I checked the CFS, and I floated it last fall at, I think, like 30. And it was 36 the other day. Russell Creek, some small drainage area. So it, it rises quickly, but it falls quickly, too. It's a little low. Uh, a little low. It, I know. But, you know, we we drug some on the lower float, which is from Kemp Road down to Russell Creek
1: Road. And these are all near, like, Greensburg.
0: Yeah. Back here. They're between Greensburg and Columbia. Yeah. Um, but I, I would do the one. There's a lot deeper water on Milltown to Kemp Road, Miltown. and that's uh, right at seven and a half miles. Miltown so Milltown to
1: Kemp, seven point five mm-hmm. miles.
0: And, and when you're doing the shuttle, um, you're going to go to the Milltown, and I talked about it in the piece that we're getting ready to publish. Um, when you go over, it's, it doesn't look... There was a sign there, of course. Whenever we put anything like... Remember that one It was at uh, Russell Island? Mm-hmm. Do you remember the Green River Paddle Trail? There's a little sign and a map on it. Of course, it's been stolen. Stolen uh, washed away. Washed, yeah. Uh, and then they, they have one there that either got washed away, but I think it's been stolen. Um, when you first go over the bridge there on 768, the first row to the left, it looks like a farm road. It looks like nothing, but that's the access. Okay. So it's basically field access. Um and um, there's a lot of deep water. There's a lot of flowing water. The smallmouths are in where, where it's going through stream drops. And there's some, some really um, unexpected bluffs. I mean, there's a lot of bluffs. All the bluff areas are good. But you're going to go through some parts. Where I know you're going to want to throw for a muskie because it's muskie habitat. It's deep as, uh, I mean, unusually super deep. Um, for, for a stream its size. there's a lot of there's, red horse. And then there's suckers. a lot. Oh, there's suckers, red horse. There's river red horse. I love it because they're the ones with the red tails, the orange, and they look like flames. Uh, common red horse. There's a ton of sucker species, blues and all. So there's a ton of food, and there's a ton of wood in the water. So there's a ton of woody habitat. There's a ton of sucker species, and there's a ton of depth. So, I mean, it smells, it looks like, the Green River in spots, some of the Green River holes where you've got musky, it looks like it. Hmm. I would, I mean, but I don't know if they're that far up. I know there's musky in the lower reaches of Russell Creek, but it's musky habitat, and it's a musky stream. so
1: I don't see why they wouldn't go there. I mean,
0: it'd be worth a try. Yeah.
1: You know how easy it is for fish to travel? Yeah. It's crazy to me how.
0: Now, I don't think there's any low head dams between there and the, to, that would block migration, so. I mean, we we've, we've talked about it on the flow. It was like, I bet Chase be throwing a there. Right
1: I bet here. you, Mike Harden was there when you guys floated. Yeah, he,
0: he he was like, man, I he
1: goes, I don't know if they're this far up, but man, that looks killer. You yeah.
0: know? Yeah, I would.
1: Uh, I'd probably. And
0: you'll you'll there. know where to there. There's a couple of Creek Mouth ones, Big Creek, and the other Short Creek near Big Creek. Man, it gets so deep. It's like. I don't know how deep it is, but I know we we took our paddles, some of those spots at the beginning of them, and tried to touch the bottom, and just would not even, I, like I mean, I, I feel like they're 12 to 15 feet deep, maybe deeper spots. Oh, spot. I might definitely go check that
1: out then. Yeah. You know, it's crazy throwing the, like, I, I would take a musky route on that, but it's crazy the fish you catch throwing a musky lure, right? Like, you can be throwing a lure that is literally 10 inches long. Spinnerbait, whatever. And you you'll catch six inch rock bass. <laughs> no. I don't understand. So I, like I, I can't say how many times I've been like, Well, I'm just you know, I'm I'm gonna try to catch a muskie and then I end up with three or four smallmouth and a rock bass on this huge muscular and I don't know why they're hitting it. They're mm-hmm. not trying to eat it, but uh, you can catch could them. be a territorial thing. I don't know. Well, I don't
2: know. Same like me, I've caught most of my muskie off fishing for
1: bass. Yeah. Oh yeah, so. bass fishing. I think mm-hmm. it might be the blades too. You know, I throw a lot of spinnerbaits. And yeah, so, and they just see that commotion just pit it out of reaction. Really, what a spinnerbait looks like is a couple of baitfish, mm-hmm. not one huge one. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the blades are supposed to be some baitfish flashing, and then you're trying to... They see that flash, like, hmm, time to eat. Oh,
0: God, what's this?
1: <laughs> oh, <and> I <I'm> know. <laughs> this, tell- this
0: ain't right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a, a rock bass doesn't have a whole lot of chance when I've got them hooked up to... No, the no. But I mean, you know, they,
0: they fight for about three feet, yeah. and it's like reeling in a
1: sock anyway, oh, no matter it, if it's on ultralight. Oh, on a musky rod, you think you just caught a glob of moth. <laughs> (laughs) Say,
0: there's a fish on here. (laughs)
1: Kind of surprising. Next time I go, I mean, I've been kicking myself for not doing this. I've always said I'm going to, but I'm going to keep rock bass sometime soon. Now, I bought a new cooler the other day uh, because my refrigerator went out, but I fitted it to the back of my kayak like I took the measurements, so now I have a cooler that straps to the back of my kayak, and it should be good just to toss fish right over the shoulder. So next time I go out, probably this weekend, I'm going to just – throw the rock bass in the cooler if they're over eight inches or so. And I'm going to give that a try because I think it was actually you that told me they were really good. Mm-hmm. So, looking...
0: They are. I've, uh, when I've had them. David Bell, you remember David Bell? Oh, yeah.
2: He was with us when we were trying to fish the other day and he was going on and on about how yellow bass is great to eat. Oh, mm-hmm. bass. And, I've, and I've never eaten Farmer. Bass. I've t- Farmer loves yellow bass. Yeah, and so I'm going to try that. I've never tried yellow bass.
1: Oh, they're delicious. See, something about, like, the size of them to me. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean... I haven't seen I'm, David in forever. How's he doing? He's doing good. Yeah, well, he's, he's a good. good guy, man. If they're easy to fillet, I'll do them. You know what I mean? But do yellow bass have red meat like
0: I, I think, you know, the, the a little, little bit, teeny weeny. Yeah, it's yeah. not Compared to,
2: proportionate to body size is, what the, I, this is yeah. the way I'd put it.
1: Okay. Because I'm thinking about, you know, fish are easy to clean. That's why I love walleye and all those so much. It's because they're so easy to... Yeah, Chad calling me. Yep. Yeah, I'm just he. I'll call him back. I know, I know what's going on right now. <laughs> I'm in the loop. <laughs> oh well. So so, Lee, what do you have right now? I'm going to run through my notes real quick.
0: Um, one thing I wanted to get an update on is uh, the life jacket loaner program. What the current um, status right is? You said that. So we've
2: got nine going on right now, and we've got three that are getting ready to be up this year, this summer. Um, and basically, for the people that don't know what the loan station program is, is something we've focused on. We're partnering with people for paddle sports, for kayaks and canoeing, uh, having stations where you launch to have life jackets to fit everybody from an infant to super big. So, I mean, we've got a size for everybody life jacket on our stations
0: um and it's on the honor system right
2: yes and i and i and it's funny have you had any issues with they'll disappear but it's but i know what it is because they'll pop back up a month later i'm sure families get out with their kids and at the end of the day they like they've had all they can take yeah going home they're starving they yeah home and then there's a loaner station life jacket <laughs> in the back of the van yeah. mm-hmm. but they come back so yeah. so you know, people the the paddle sports community is a good community, and it, they do well. Mm-hmm.
1: So, but th- we replace them from time to time. I think that's interesting. You should uh, tell people kind of how that works because it's it's something people could get involved in. Yes, they and they
2: try to. to get people involved in. So, I mean, we partner with individuals, with groups, uh, governments, city government, anybody. You can go to our website at fw.ky.gov and go under the boating site, and under boating in the bottom, scroll down to the, like the bottom. We have life jacket loaner stations link and you can click on it and it lays out the whole program with you. Yeah. Um, basically from this time of year, like May to September, the people we partner with will report back to us once a month and say, Hey, we've got two life jackets missing or this needs to be done and and we supply the life jackets and make sure it's going. And then in the winter months, it's like once or twice they'll report back and say what's going, or they'll take the life jackets up until season starts mm-hmm. back but uh it's a great thing
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and so but if an individual or a business wanted to get involved let's just say that i'm chase winniger from so and so and for some reason you know i'm a a passionate kayaker or maybe i've lost somebody or or it's just something i'm passionate about and i want to help out with this you know somebody could actually partner up with the department And be a partner in a life jacket loaner station, work with the department on getting it constructed, getting it built, getting the life jackets there, and keeping them there, and provide that for a community, right? Yep. So if somebody in, we've been talking about Green River and Russell, somebody down in Columbia or Greensburg Mm -hmm. felt this, they could do that. And then we could get a life jacket loaner station at American Legion Park, Mm -hmm. you know, right there. Which is a very popular place to float, you know.
2: And we've done it, the Girl Scouts. I've got a troop of Girl Scouts that do one. That's great. uh, And they planted hostas. and and (laughs) That's cool. They went over the top and did it did it upright, but it's a it's a great program. And anytime you're promoting safety, I mean, yeah. you're just not going to go wrong.
1: No yeah, doubt, and companies can can do the same yeah. thing. Kind of. I know Canoe Kentucky, obviously, I like a no brainer partner. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a life jacket loaner station mm-hmm. <coughs> down Knights Knightsbridge, so mm-hmm. you know, and that's not for their clients; that's for that's you know, yeah, the that's for public. just general public. Yeah, yeah.
2: And the Corps of Engineers does it, you know. Like Lake Cumberland's got some from the Corps of Engineers. So there's several different groups.
0: We need to yeah. do an update on that. Yeah.
1: I need to do an update I on. I think him. Derby City Fly Fishers or somebody might need to get one going. Oh no, no doubt. Yeah, there's, anybody, there's so I'm, many groups.
0: Anybody, and it's just, a, it's great,
1: just it's a, good, it's a great. It's a great. So smart. Thing yeah.
0: With. Yeah, it's just smart too to get people to yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest. When I'm paddling, I've got a traditional foam, you know, flotation uh, PFD. It's hot especially this time of year. You're paddling, big long hole, the wind's against you. You're like, but I'm getting better and better about fighting through that, just saying, well, hot's better than dead. (laughs) You know, y'all are talking about kayaking. I mean, a lot of people think, look
2: at kayaking and – That it's maybe not as dangerous Mm -hmm. as running a bass boat with a 250 horse motor on it, but you got strainers, you got rates, you got current in the river. Mm -hmm. I mean,
0: that's another thing. On my notes, I want to bring up. You can get
2: yourself in a pickle pretty quick.
0: And something Chase has brought up before: when you're going through a riffle and you get stuck, get out there and try to pull your kayak out, and say, "Oh, water doesn't have any force." I mean, you know, you don't have a
1: chance. There's spots on Green right now. I mean, they've been running 50 cfs, right? The minimum amount of water and uh there's spots right now there's strainers that would catch you and you can i mean you can see them like there's some spots where the current flows into the a mm-hmm. bank and the bank's kind of undercut maybe there's yeah, some yeah, logs there yeah if you i hit, get out and drag around them yeah because even though i feel like i could control it like but, one thing for me even if i don't drown i'm gonna lose all my taxes i know
0: all your equipment yeah. sure. well that's yeah. the, the strainers when i've uh come closest to flipping i've been pretty lucky it's when the, the bow of the bow gets obstructed by some undercut bank root wide or other kind of strainer. Yeah. When, when we flowed to Russell Creek, there was a family fish, and I was talking to them. Well, there was a tree branch that was about four inches deep, and I was going sideways and talking to the to the family. Have y'all caught anything and all that? I about bought it, because I got hung on it and went, whoa. I went way over. I had to really think on my feet to keep from buying it there. Well, even like both of you all, you all kayak. Like, when
2: I go on a kayak, I'm a little more apprehensive, because I don't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm very careful about what I do. Yeah. Because so, you can, like I said, it don't take much to get yourself in a situation.
0: My wife had her PFD on. She's very diligent about it. And it was Halloween one year. We just said, hey, it's about the last time. It's pretty. Let's go do one last float. And um, there was a spider in a way that she hadn't... Uh, Paddled a whole lot by then, and there was a spider at that, that right at eye height that was coming down out of a tree. She went ah, and just dove out of the boat. And so I look over; Dole she's out. floating down. My kayak's upside over the, the manta rays upside down. Uh, her fishing rod's gone and broke the handle off of it. But I end up fixing it. Wouldn't it uh,
2: to, if she was right at the No, because she, she was like, oh, I was like,
0: she just forgot for a moment in her blind panic over the spider <laughs> that she was in a kayak. But the PFD. What happened? She was in kind of a good moving water. It's right after Galt's bend uh, on Elkhorn. Her feet went out in front of her. Her head was out of the water. And she gently drifted over to the side. We got the boat back. We got everything back. No, 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 you know, no, no worse for wear, but the PFD, she's like, wow, it, I mean, it did exactly
1: what it's supposed to that's do. It's funny. Kristen, she would have been, she would have flipped paddling back to try to go get this place. <laughs> you know I mean? That's how she is. I've seen, I've literally seen her do that before. It reminds me, too, though, that, you know, we talk about PFDs and fit and all that stuff. And you were talking about, um, you know, being a little bit more apprehensive when you go kayaking. And I was just sitting here thinking to myself, you know, the boat matters a lot, too. Like, I feel. Yes, like, I have that, yeah. I have a big, sturdy kayak. I, I really trust it. But the fit of the boat to you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Because, like, when I started dating Kristen, she had two kayaks. They were both the same, right? And if she got in one, it would never flip. If I got in that exact same kayak right next to her, I would be flipping and tipping Because it's open. too small for you. Too small for me. And if she got on my kayak right now, you know, she's 5'2", a buck 15. If she got on my kayak right now, she wouldn't be able to control and maneuver it well Mm -hmm. enough to be safe because if she started getting down a riffle, she's probably not strong enough to power that boat the direction she needs to. So I think that having a kayak that kind of fits you. Yes. Whether that be, like, your length and size and weight and everything or just one that you can control. There's some good
0: information on that on the website. I've written about that. But, you know, really you don't want, if you're an average-sized person, you don't really want to go much shorter. Than eleven feet. Um, one thing too that eleven foot and longer boats, but you don't want to get too long. We're about is, yeah, or? yeah. Just well, just for tracking ability too. The longer the kayak, and the wa- the wider the kayak, the more stable. The longer, the faster. But also, the longer, the more it tracks. So you get into a ten-foot boat, and it's you're too big for it. It's going to be squirrely, especially in when you need it to be stable in rough water. That's when it gets the most squirrely if it's too short and too light. Same
2: ways in the boat world. And now. you never, you
0: never want to go more than eighty percent of the recommended capacity for the boat. Yeah. So if 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 it's a three hundred pound, and you weigh two hundred and twenty-five, and you're putting all your gear in, you need a boat that has more more weight capacity than just three hundred pounds. If if you're a say a 225 pound guy and you're going to be bringing a cooler and all your fishing gear and water and all that then then you're going to be you're going to be pushing that boat to its max so
1: yeah most uh. kayaks really probably aren't rated for as much as people throw in them no you know what I mean? So if you want to take all that gear with you, maybe think about that ahead of time and get a kayak that's a little bit bigger. Yes. That's what that's what I, I bought when I thought it was too big for me. Now I'm glad I did it when I first bought You'll it. You'll enjoy kayaking yeah. so much more, too, if you have gear or a kayak that fits you. That fits you. You know, because being comfortable, you know, mm-hmm. one of the main reasons people like to kayak is just to get out there and relax, you know, because mm-hmm. it's something about drifting down the creek or being it, out on the it, lake. And, the
0: and you don't think about bad things. You hear, you hear kingfishers, you mm-hmm. see eagles, you see fish, you yeah. see snakes, you see all kinds of wildlife, the sound of the water going but over the rapids. Best, the best
2: therapy. It's just the wonderful. Yeah, yeah best it therapy's is. therapy has been out there. Yeah, it is.
1: But if you're not comfortable, then it might <laughs> Then it's not be, as fun. Because I've seen people halfway through a float before doing the whole thing where they're stretching.
0: Yeah, stretching her, rubbing her butt. I
2: tell you, I'm one of those people. Yeah. I've gone on the kayaks with a regular seat and within three hours, I'm swimming to the bank but now I've fished all day long out of a good seat,
0: yeah. and it w- mm-hmm. didn't bother me a bit. Yes, a comfortable seat is super important. Those Some of those cheaper ones have that little bitty quarter-inch foam pad. Yeah, yeah. Within two hours, your butt's going to be asleep sitting on that thing. Yeah. And what well, true story, when I first time I tried to fish out of a kayak, I didn't know it. I was in a performance kayak designed for maneuverability, designed for heavy water. Like a and, boat. and it was short, but, I mean, that's the people who are going to do boofing, they're going to be surfing, the people who love whitewater. Water. So I went after that I was like, Well I you know kayak fishing kayaks at that time this was 25 years ago we're just coming on the market so i was like mm, i bought one of those pontoon boats with the two pontoons in the seat that you and a frame that you lash to the seat because i was like man i don't think those kayaks are worth a hoot to fish out of but i was fishing on one that wasn't designed for it yeah. so uh now that i have two fishing kayaks i realized oh i was you know i'm the dumb one not the kayak <laughs> one
1: of the, the worst kayaking experience i've ever had in my life was that one of, they call them play boats yeah that's those what yeah short ones mm-hmm. and i have had some buddies that were whitewater rafting guides on the new river in <laughs> west virginia and so they uh, they we got a big rain in madison county when i was a student at eku and they wanted to go whitewater raft silver creek and they had a play boat for me, and so I'm six six at this point, and they squeeze me in this little boat. Oh play. God! <laughs> yeah, and we put in the creek at the tailwaters of of Lake Wilgreen, which is a small mm-hmm. feeder creek. Yep. So we put the in that fort. creek, and it was up enough because of the rain where we were able to paddle that creek and hit Silver Creek. And I flipped more times that trip. I mean, I <laughs> I, I spent most of my time underwater. I felt like <laughs> it was the most unpleasant. It's a kayaking experience in my life, mm-hmm. but well, that's and, what happened to me, and it was because I was in a boat that I had no business being, in, you know. And I was used to kayaking and staying upright and making mm-hmm. casts and enjoying the scenery. Mm-hmm. In here, I felt like every second I was, you know, fighting just. To, well,
0: I mean, that's what they're designed to do in Eskimo row, where you go under the water and it's just fun. come out. You
1: know, I mean, if you were good at it, it'd be fun. I see those guys down there playing in the big I don't water. Know if I call yeah. that fun. <laughs> yeah, <no>. <laughs> some <laughs> people love it. You know, I think they're getting ready to build a whitewater kayaking park. Have you heard about that? Uh-uh. Where not? at? In Louisville. Hmm. um or right across the river in southern indiana i know it's going to be extremely close to the falls of ohio um, maybe it's on the greenway over there but it's going to be not connected to the river from what i've seen it's going to be like a fully man made and hmm. included what wa- whitewater kayaking park which i don't know could be cool mm-hmm. maybe get those guys out of the river where i worry about them yeah no you know doubt I, mean? I see those people whitewater kayaking in the ohio river down there below the dams i'm like my gosh yeah. Not for me. Do you ever have to do any swift water rescue training or I have anything? Di- I have
2: never done any swift water rescue training, but I would love to do swift water training.
1: It looks it looks pretty intimidating. Yes. I mean, they throw those guys on, and I know our law enforcement division I've, I've, does it with, like, Campbellsville Fire and Rescue does mm-hmm. it down there, and I, you see them doing it sometimes but the wa- the Swift water rescue training they literally put these guys on in an inflatable raft with a motor on the back of it and they will ramp these waves and run up into the biggest whitewater you can imagine i mean huge waves and then they just kick these guys out of the boat <laughs> <laughs> and, they're, and they're just floating through this well if they're having
0: volunteers i'm going to i'm going to i hope somebody else takes my yeah, spot no, you want to be an observer yeah, i'll
1: take pictures
0: like, they literally will, from
1: the shore will run up to the McAlpin Upper on the Ohio River with forty feet of dam coming through, oh wow. water. The waves are shooting ten or fifteen feet into the sky, and they kick those guys out of the boat. And I'm over there on the bank watching them, you know, just float through this. And I guess they're trying to keep their feet up, you know, yep. like you're always told, keep your feet up and keep your, and and it just looks insane to me. And, but you know that is a good point. That's not something we talked about. It's not something we even really think about. But in white water on moving water if you do go out of the boat one thing that's important to do is to keep your feet up feet up yeah. you don't want to try to touch the bottom and you know you don't want to put your feet down because all it's going to take is a stick or a rock and your foot to get snagged then you're done and then the, the current's going to push your body underwater because that's just how it works mm-hmm. so that's one thing that they always tell you if you're in moving water and you get out don't put your feet down don't try to touch the bottom unless you're out of like main current you yeah. know somewhere that you know you can control yourself because i guess i i guess that happens where people put their feet down and it gets stuck get a natural
2: response if you're not yeah you want yeah, to panic you and, want to and you want, you to, want to touch to the bottom yeah. you want to stand yeah
1: but in that moving water you never know what those rocks look like mm-hmm. down there and i've seen the fossil beds at the falls of the ohio when mm-hmm. it's dried up you know mm-hmm. and it's I mean, of nooks so. and crannies everywhere that are just perfect for a foot to fit into <laughs> so yeah, that's uh one.
0: Man. One other thing I want, you know, we talk about personal watercraft and jet skis whatnot. not. You know, a lot of people this summer are going to be renting them. Maybe their teenage kids or their college-age kids are going to be renting them. What are if, if you're going to be on one and you're unfamiliar? What What do you recommend? Some of, the, of course, wear your PFD at all times. You have to, don't you? Yeah, you have to. The jet ski,
2: the uh, personal watercraft law states that even if you're a child or an adult, if you're on a jet ski,
0: you have to have, you have
2: it on. Have to have it on because you're pretty much guaranteed you're going into the water. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they have to have it. The other thing is is to take our boating education course, mm. which, you know, we do it by instructor-led, but it's also online mm-hmm. that you can take it online from our website in the boating section education. That's a wonderful tool. And even if you don't want to take the class, there's a study guide on there that at least can familiarize yourself with some of the terminology and some of the things you need to know about. But another big one for jet ski people is is you got to know that if you let off the throttle, there's no steering. Yeah. Um, and that's huge. Yeah. I mean, because... If you, even when we're working, if we motion or we need to get with somebody to stop, nine times out of ten, they usually run into us because your automatic response is to get off the gas. Mm -hmm. But for a jet ski to steer, you have to have some gas. How, so,
1: How's that handled when a jet skier runs <laughs> Dude, into you?
2: It's all right. I mean, you know, they're usually going slow enough for that point that yeah. it I, all works out.
1: That one's, you know, I can see that just being accurate. I, but I just, in, my, uh, <laughs> I know. in my mind, I imagine that happening like on the road, like, you know, pull <laughs> over a vehicle and they accidentally bump into your cruise. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's usually not a good sign <laughs> yeah. for, for, the, yeah. for the operator. Yeah. The, jet skis, and, the jet skis
2: are big because kids, the kids want on them. Uh, they need to have some basic knowledge
0: about them. And the class, the course. And I'm jumping just, wakes, boat wakes is a bad idea.
2: But Yeah, I mean, you, I guarantee you, if we catch you jumping a boat wake right behind the boat, mm-hmm. you're getting pulled over. Now, if you're 100, 150 yards back, that's a whole different story. Yeah. But no, because once you launch yourself airborne, guess what? The whole rest of it is you're just... Whatever comes is what comes. You mm-hmm. have no control. Yes. So that's a big number. But
0: you see people doing that close to the bigger boats. They want that big. They want to get high. They want high, to they get out that, get that, that yeah, airborne. The, way,
2: and the other thing is they need to be aware of is, is, is I always tell them, go find a place to play where there's nobody at. Mm-hmm. Because people are on the bank at their house sitting out relaxing and they're doing donuts and just constant and it causes a lot of irritation.
0: Yes, so, it does. So. And if you and if people are fishing nearby, just uh, be cool. Yeah. Just be just tried. don't sit there and you know be play twenty twenty five yards from people who are trying to fish. Right. That, and especially somebody kayaking or canoeing
1: even. Yeah. I don't mean. throw them don't throw them a giant wake and go yeah. Ahead. I might not be the target audience. I've never been a big jet ski fan. It's something about. It just seems like every time I see them, they're just going point A to point B real fast.
2: Thirty, I tell people thirty minutes, and you're and in. Yeah, you, thirty minutes, and I'm done. I've had all the fun I want with. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've rented them for an hour before a couple of times, you yeah. know, and it's fun. But then by minute forty-five, you're like, "Well, go ahead and rent this for four hours." I'm kind of. Ready to take his thing back and get back in the boat boat.
1: I do think that, uh, you know, I'm, st- I'm starting to see where they're making some fishing jet skis. Though. They
0: are. I had a gentleman call
2: me that bought one for his grandson the other day and wanted to use it on Cedar Creek. Yeah. And I had to tell him. I was like, you can't. And the- he was heartbroken about it. Is it because of lake? Because no jet skis, no...
0: No yeah. PwC's so, on Cedar S- Creek. So what's the difference with the fishing ones? they Are longer, more stable? Friends. I haven't seen them.
1: Uh, I've only seen what, you know, like they're advertised sometimes, and there's some people on social media that have fished out of them that I've seen. Rod lockers, uh, tackle storage, um, maybe Probably more. Probably a big back deck maybe or something. More foot space where you can stand up. But, it, I mean, think of it like just a small one-person boat. And I think that the benefit to them is that you can run up in skinnier water. So a lot of times out on these big lakes, <clears throat> especially in the spring or something when the water's warming up coming in from the creeks people who do best in the tur- in the fishing tournaments are the people who've run the furthest up the creeks mm-hmm. i got heard a story out of guest creek lake in shelby county they were having a bass fishing tournament and there was a guy out there who wanted to enter in his canoe or his kayak and they said well this guy in his kayak or he can enter and they let him in there he won it because he went up into the Headwaters, he took a chainsaw with him and he was cutting trees. <laughs>
2: he got serious. Yeah, he's
1: cutting trees out of the way and he got up in this real skinny water and he, and so then they said no kayaks allowed.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> made a yeah. new rule. Yeah, but, so I
1: think that there's a benefit to getting in skinnier water at certain times of the year, yeah. just being able to go places.
0: And, and that, that was a barrier to anybody in a bass boat or any other kind of John boat or anything. If there's trees across, they couldn't get through them. Yeah, that
2: was why he said he bought the jet ski for his grandson because he's, grandson bass tournament fishes in the high school but he wanted to get on Cedar Creek where he gets some shallower water
1: to do some stuff. I'll tell you something else right now because of my commute I'm driving a four-cylinder two-wheel drive Jeep and it's not going to haul many boats Mm -hmm. very well you know but a jet ski yeah maybe so I mean, they're, they're, but that's one of those things. it'll
0: haul a kayak too? And that's you know that's one of the reasons kayaks are popular. It's just cost. I mean, if you look at bass boats now, it just
1: uh, yeah.
0: And, and you know, I remember getting Bassmaster when I was little and looking, and the you know the sixteen foot you know typical bass tracker would be like thirty nine ninety five, and then two years later is forty nine ninety five, yeah. and now it's add <laughs> add a add a one to F- the front of zero, that number, four four and
1: then several more thousands on top yeah. of that. And you can <clears> almost any vehicle will haul a kayak like. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. like uh my fiance Kristen she drives a Honda Accord right and she has the roof racks on top of it and we can throw anything I literally because of how the shuttles have worked out before I've put my 14 foot Hobie Pro Angler on top of her Accord but just for a short shuttle I probably wouldn't take it down the interstate you know but going from the takeout back to the put-in heck yeah yeah, it works so I think that's another barrier to entry you're talking about somebody want to get on the water kayak is so much easier because you can literally put them on anyway. or in any vehicle and
0: and you're wh- burning calories not gasoline i mean uh, you know that's there's yeah. a lot to be said that, that should
1: be appealing to more people than it is no, i know but the, actually that's a, a that's a negative for a lot of people because <laughs> <laughs>
0: they want to sit on their butt and yeah. you know well, they
2: make those big wheels don't they? that you hook it to it and make it helps so easy to yeah,
0: drag it around yeah so. yeah that's a lot but of a lot of people there they don't that's they, they want to put out bobbers and hey, that's know, fine man and live bait and sit and watch so fine but Everybody's got their niche. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. But I, I like to cast, pursue fish,
1: hook, and reel in. Watching bobbers is just... I, I can't I can't soak bait. I'm the same way as you. Right. I have to be doing something with my hands. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just I, you know.
0: Now, if it's on fire and you're getting bite, bites every five minutes, okay. Soaking bait's, you know.
1: But, possible but and you know like the whole it's boring soaking baits and watching bobbers type deal that can be a really relaxing ty- type of fishing right mm-hmm. but i kind of get off in that same trance casting mm-hmm. you know what i mean where it's kind of like i'm just going through the motions i'm not even thinking about anything and it's like my mind's somewhere else and my body's just real and then all of a sudden push on and i'm right back yeah you no know i personally kind of like that um marcus i want to hear from the, the patrol days a couple of stories <laughs>
2: You know, last year I told you to one with the guy on a pontoon boat that had a surfboard off the front of it, and he was out on the end of it. Oh, yeah. If you remember that one. what no, then I think I wrote that one down.
0: <laughs> yeah, so what did he do? He was standing? It, it
2: was one of the raft-ups on the river, yeah. you know, the, oh. kind of end-of-year blowout. Everybody rafts up, have a band, blah, blah, blah. But there was a pontoon coming down the river. And they had a uh, diving board off the front of it, and the guy was out on the very tip of the diving board, the like flag, seven, doing right. the, the doing the Titanic scene with his hand, with his arm. Uh, <laughs> did did he did he get a little ticket to take home? <laughs> yeah, we had to go talk to him. I was like, mm-hmm. buddy,
1: <laughs> what, what are you, you doing? Yeah, you understand physics and how this yeah, works, right? Yeah, yeah. Then,
0: do you understand? There's a motor that has like a prop that'll chew you into spaghetti if you uh, fall off the front of this. <laughs> That and one that's not funny like that, but it just totally took me
2: by surprise. One time I was on the river, and there was a canoe, and he had some kind of a long shaft out with some kind of a motor on it. And I was like, what is that? And he didn't have his registration, so I pulled over to him. But he had manufactured a weed eater into a.
0: That's how you said. Yeah, that one always. He used it, made a weed eater into a into an right engine, in didn't he? The I,
1: he was ahead of his time.
2: I know. And I, and I told him, I said, "Listen, you're going to have to register this." I said, "I'm not going to give you a citation." I said, "Because of the ingenuity." <laughs> so, but you've got to go get that registered.
1: Have so. you seen those mud skipper motors? Yeah, know, it's, like, it's like a mud motor, yeah. Yeah, those mud skippers, yeah, where yeah. that's literally all it is. It's <laughs> yeah. a big yeah.
2: weedy. <laughs> so. I don't know. I mean, over 24 years, I've seen all kinds of stuff, but I don't. I mean, it's just. A, I, don't, I don't know.
1: What, what about hunting type stuff? Any any, any good ones there? Yeah, I mean, that's probably pretty serious most of the time, I'd say. I mean, it is. People but goof I mean, off you know, on the water.
2: Yeah, I mean, people are all the time doing stuff. Uh, yeah. I just off the top of my head I would I'd have to sit around. Yeah, I feel
1: like hunting, you know, you got firearms involved, you know, and people out there pursuing game. Probably not as many goofy types. But
2: you I tell you for hunting for me it was always funny. Like I mean, I am not agile at all. So huh. I'm like a polar bear going through the woods. <laughs> but it would always blow my mind that when you would walk up to check like you'd be chicken coon hunters or or even somebody turkey hunting or something. I mean, I would be, you're trying to be quiet. You're trying not to make noise. Now, you would feel like I had woke the whole neighborhood of, mm-hmm. and then when I say game warden, they would jump out of their skin. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I literally had been, <laughs> might as well have been banging pots and pans. Yeah. But people are so intent on what mm-hmm. they're doing mm-hmm. that they're like tunnel vision, and it yep. just shuts everything else out. So
1: Now, I've been out there before. I'm thinking, here last year, honestly, I got checked twice on the same creek, same, same CO checking me both times and uh the first time i was just sitting there fishing or or we were we were out there fishing together and i looked up and he was just standing on the opposite bank kind of watching so is that something that and you know then obviously i noticed him i said hey and and we we talked but is that something that conservation officers would do is kind of a, just observe and not most probably i mean
2: eight out of ten times we're observing because yeah. you want to be you mm-hmm. want to be sure about what's going on mm-hmm. um we all all of us go through an fto process when we get out of the yeah. academy and we're with an older guy and i was with ronnie rich and he was teaching me a lesson one day because i he he saw how it worked and we there was two people in a boat two rod and reels a man and a woman and he said, what do you got? I said, I got the man and woman fishing, and we went up to check them, and he just sat there, and I got to the man. And he said, yeah, here's my license. I got to the woman,
0: and she, she goes, I'm, have
2: like, one. I'm not fishing. Mm-hmm. And we went around, I mean, literally for 20 minutes to where it was getting bad, and Ronnie was like, okay, this is over with or whatever. And we left, and Ronnie goes, you think you're going to look a little better through the binoculars next time? Mm-hmm. Very good point. You've got to be sure of what people are doing. Yeah. You mm-hmm. can't assume so yes, a lot of the time we are being very observant.
1: Yeah, and I think that you know, I when I noticed him watching me on the bank, I just caught a fish, mm-hmm. and he was probably wanting to see what I was going to do with that fish. You know, as a mm-hmm. I, I didn't notice him, and I tossed it back in the water. I looked up, and saw him. So yeah. if that, fish so I'm always. Like, how you doing? I'm happy to see him. Oh, usually. I like him. Like you things. know,
2: people don't get that stigma. There is no need to be. I mean, no,
0: don't act like a no. Horse. be friendly, we're friendly. I yeah. mean, it's, it's are well, all in this together. Th- and it, and if you. Are doing the right thing, you know. There's an easy way to remove stress: have your fishing license. Right. <laughs> Don't be hammered drunk. Right. <laughs> Don't just, act stupid. Just do what you're supposed to do. You know, and then you're going to be fine. And in any one of us, people I mean, aren't out to get you. They're just talk, trying to find the people who are right. Dang, we talked about the rules. Threat.
2: We talked about the rules and regulations. They're so. I mean, we're not. If you come out there and we can, do everything's good, and you're doing what. you're sometimes you're not you're just gonna say hey just like i did with the guy with the boat registration hey get this registered or Mm -hmm. do this you know
1: so uh, i've been thinking next time uh run into a game ward in the field who or a conservation officer in the field who doesn't know me like that you know mm, i always yeah yeah you know, who, who they're just like uh, how are you doing today and talking to me not knowing that i work for them i've always thought about just being like licensed to fish <laughs> what are you talking about like you know just <laughs> act like i'm going to throw that pit <laughs> and just see how they react and then of course <laughs> but i mean i, want, I always wondered does, does that happen to people ever come Sometimes,
2: i mean we get all kinds of things yeah. i was laughing You was talking about being on the bank and waving yeah or whatever i had a guy one time that was fishing out in the middle of, it was a small small lake it wasn't a huge lake but, I, but yeah. it was a lake and uh, i said hey come over here man and i'll check your stuff and i said i'll get out of your hair and he said well what if i don't want to come over there yeah and i was like okay i said i said listen you're going to be coming off here sometime today so where was he standing mm-hmm. at huh where he was he he was in a boat out in the middle of the lake but uh, it wasn't a big you were lake. on the bank yeah and i was on the bank i just had to pull him truck and see him i was like hey come over and let me see your stuff and he said that and I was like, You're gonna come out of here and there's only one ramp. And I yeah. said, You're coming out, I said, I promise you I will be here yeah. when you come out. And it won't, probably
1: won't go as easy. So, yeah.
2: well I mean it'd be fine. I mean whatever game yeah. you want to play, but, but you know, but he was just doing that. There's you always run to a knucklehead or two. Some
0: people- but but was illegal?
2: Yeah. Well, oh, he was yeah, just he being was, a butt. Yeah. Yeah. Just starting to to, to act up, but oh. it was fine after he came over. He said, "Man, I was just joking with you." But mm-hmm. I was like, "I was like, well, that's fine." I said, "I was I wasn't joking. I would be here when you
1: got off." Yeah. So. I always have wondered You know, that's uh, that's interesting. Being a knucklehead. <laughs> that's a good way to put it. You remember Earl Gray, yep. the late Earl Gray? Yeah.
0: Earl told me a story one time for an article I was doing. He said, "Uh, it was up in Jackson County. He went by." You know, a well known fishing hole, and he saw this couple and he knew them. He said, Well, I better go check them. And then, you know, it was March, so, you know, the license year was still pretty new. And, um, um, he went over and it was like, um, do y'all, you all you know, he knew him. He's like, have y'all caught anything? He's like, oh, well, we've had a couple of bites. And he's like, well, do you have your fishing license? I'm sure you do. He's like, well, Earl, we were on our way to get our license, <laughs> but we wanted to make sure the fish were biting before we spent all that money.
1: <laughs> <That's>
0: smart, <laughs> he said I left my butt off
1: and then gave him a ticket. <laughs> well, and of course, I'm sure they went and bought their license after they realized the fish were biting. And then so. some
0: one time this guy hit an undersized bass. In his tackle box and told his son. And he was like, Don't you say anything like that. So they were like, They had their license, and all that. And he goes, What about the fish here in tackle box, daddy? <laughs> he was like five years old. Dad's gonna oh, Dad's his dad <laughs> was madness. So he got a ticket for that, too. I mean,
2: truthfully, truthfully, honestly, I mean, on no joke, 99.5% of the time, the sportsmen and women. Yeah. Is great, and they may heckle you a little bit, but that's just you know, coon hunters. They I would have laughed when I'd be with a rookie officer or something, and you go to the coon hunters, talk to the coon hunters, like they never told the truth. I said that's just their language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a coon hunter; they're not going to tell you everything, so, yeah. Yeah. but they don't mean to think by it, so. Not most of the time it's a great relationship.
1: Yeah. yeah. So Well and I have I mean when I get asked to show my license I'm like, Oh yeah, let me dig yeah. it out. Heck yeah, you I'm know, happy. I, I like I like showing it and I like uh seeing conservation officers out there, you know. There's some times where well, honestly, the place I'd, I wish I'd seen them more is in our jurisdiction anyway. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. somebody
1: else its
2: hard. There's not, there's not yeah. a lot of us. We're covering a lot of ground.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. You think about the whole state, private and public. Yep, I mean it's, it's a, a it's whole a lot. lot to do. And you
2: know, even like around here, close, you got Taylorsville Lake and you got Harrington Lake. So mm-hmm. you got to split up your work group. To kentucky cover, river to cover both of elkhorn creek
1: river. you got just there's just the ohio river stuff. yeah there's so many bodies and of water just creek lake but you know this time of year and i mean of course in the fall when it's deer hunting season every property that's over 40 acres has got somebody out there across mm-hmm. the whole county so you know it's tough um like you said spread thin and i guess that probably helps uh being a do you, you kind of like develop ideas of what might be going on and know where to look focus areas well and and i
2: tell you man it's a big thing too for the sportsmen and women they got to understand they're more of an important part to it than we are because there's more they have more eyes and ears out there be a good witness i ain't saying you got to go over and and deal with something but just be a good witness and get a hold of us and let us know that this Mm -hmm. is going on so we can come take care of
1: it there are ways to get a hold yes that's a good that's a good good thing to to talk about because you're right i mean the majority like you know there's surveillance systems all over the place right but where you guys are operating is one of the more blind spots you know mm-hmm. there aren't cameras everywhere and mm-hmm. you know cctv and all, every corner catching this stuff so really the best surveillance system that you guys probably have is other people that are out there doing mm-hmm. the same thing people yep. who are on the lake or in the woods samana
2: kayak up russell creek yeah i mean way up in there to see something that we don't see and they're there on a regular basis because yeah. they live there
1: and there's a way that about two or three years ago the fw law app got launched kfw law yeah um kentucky fish and wildlife Mm -hmm. law and so and that is a way that somebody could report something completely anonymously right Right. so it's literally an app you download to your phone you open it up and it asks you know basically what your tip is there's a little text box there's a spot where you can attach photos and then you can submit that completely anonymously Mm -hmm. it like um what am I looking for where it gives like you a number of letters so you like you're not a, a no person. it's not
2: a name and there's not yeah. a name and there's not a personal information with it you know and that's yeah. why I tell people look I don't don't feel like you're you're snitching or whatever you want to call it. You're protecting the resource. Of
1: course, exactly. So the
2: other people in Kentucky, the other kids and grandkids that are going to grow up yeah. and do it, that's the way to look at mm. it.
1: That's the same thing with, like, the whole fishing license thing. Earlier I jokingly said that you know, a license to fish, you know, because I mean, that just – but people don't realize that the fishing license, it's not just a license to fish for fish that are going to be there and waterways that are always going to be open to you you know those fishing license dollars go to support um, fisheries management mm-hmm. and public access spots and so really it's you buying in to the opportunity that you're taking advantage of because if you didn't buy in and that opportunity wasn't provided you know using right. license dollars
2: it puts ahead. it puts those stripers back and Cumberland. no kind of doubt pitch. it puts
1: it puts i mean all those things and that's one reason for you know if you have um a private pond with the hybrids back in ohio river you've got a seven acre private lake on your property you know you don't have to have a license to fish that one because that is your resource that you're managing yep. but if you're out on a public waterway or fishing someone else's stuff then you literally are taking advantage of a resource that's paid for yep. in mm-hmm. some way so and then the same thing goes with um law enforcement like so the the ta- the license dollars are used to support that well the conservation officers do the exact same thing cuz you can't just provide all this without some type of regulation or enforcement you have to make sure people are playing by the rules otherwise everything just goes back to the way it was 100 years ago when you know there were no, right. deer, and he, no deer and I've
2: got pictures from the old days and you can look at the pictures of the old days with the buffalo. Yeah. I mean mm-hmm. if it's unregulated Damn. it only takes a certain amount of time funny. Yeah, decim- by
1: 1820 they were gone. Yep. Yeah. It yeah.
2: does not take long.
1: So, so so that's really important but I people shouldn't feel bad about providing a tip, you know. I mean there's some these just kind of common sense type stuff, you know, I'm not going to go around as a as a individual and ask people if they have their fishing license and report them if don't, they don't. Yeah,
2: don't, don't need yeah. to.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So there's, like, some things that are just, you know, don't worry about that. But if you see, you know, two or three deer, you know, dumped somewhere out on the side of a WMA mm-hmm. and something looks a little sketchy to you, maybe you can take a picture of that yeah. and report yeah.
2: it. You know? yeah, I mean, because the, they really, literally, the sportsman and woman are our biggest resource.
1: Yeah.
0: My brother was on, had a friend who was on Lake Cumberland. He told him his story at work. And uh, these guys came by, and they were drinking and got mouthy with They were fishing, the guys got come by. I was like, hey, man, you know, and then they got mouthy with them. And over the course of the day, they'd drink a beer, throw it out. That man went behind, well behind them, picked the beer can up, <laughs> put them in a bag. Well, this went on all day. Conservation officer comes by and motions them over. He said, uh, hey, buddy. He dropped that bag of cans. Boink, and he heard all the aluminum crunch. Said it came from right over there. and Pointed at the boat. Those guys went down. Yeah, hmm. he took those guys in.
2: Yeah, yeah, but that's, and that's. But you know, they those don't guys need to be doing that.
0: No, I mean, especially. I mean, that, there was copious amounts of beer. Those yeah. guys were hammered, and then right. they're a danger to people out there. Just think of the kids out there swimming, and they come around, they're all lit, and yeah. you know run into a boat or run over something you know I mean well,
2: I mean there's there's a reason there's krill limits there's a reason mm. there's size limits mm. I mean all that plays an important part so we all got to do our part to, to protect the resources. Yes.
1: I'll tell you guys what, before we wrap it up, I want to say one more thing. So I did make the mistake in my mind of going to the lake on Memorial Day, okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I got invited out by some friends, so I said, sure, why not? I
0: floated the Friday before, and it was great. I didn't see anybody.
1: <laughs> well, I made the mistake. And I somewhere on my phone, I have a video that I, because I launched the boat, I drove the truck, launched the boat, and I have a video I took on my phone from the truck while i was waiting in line at the boat ramp of the chaos that was going on at the boat ramp and you know prep your prep your boat before you get to the ramp especially if it's busy you know undo the back straps and have everything ready to rock so you can get in and out of there and then the other thing i saw and this is negative i hate saying it but this was at taylorsville lake this is a possum ridge state park boat ramp Somebody came in on Memorial Day and broke into I don't know how many cars. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Surprised me when I heard that. it was at Possum Ridge.
1: Yeah. It was right there at the state. And they must have done a smash and grab just as quick as they could because that's a busy, busy area. Yes. So I would suggest, you know, if you're going to be leaving your vehicle at a boat ramp, you know, I hate to say it, these places are illuminated and, you know, but some of them are, are kind of out there and, you could you could potentially be targeted, basically. So you know, take your your valuables out of the vehicle. Common sense, vehicle. just yeah.
2: just just common sense stuff.
1: It's the same type of stuff that you know is promoted for your vehicle in your driveway at night. Mm-hmm. You know, like even in rural counties that you know break-ins are up. So. I see some of these more rural sheriff's office is um, saying you know lock your doors, lock your vehicles, take valuables out. It's the same thing at a boat ramp. Yeah. And so those are two things I saw on Memorial Day was one the vehicle break-ins made me think about that, but two the boat ramp just being an absolute that, mess. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad
2: you brought that up because that is a very huge thing. You need to be prepared before you get there, mm-hmm. and you need to be ready check your to stuff be ready for you. Damn. And it's always worse. The worst part's always in the evening. When everybody's ready to go home, they're tired and stressed, Mm -hmm. wore out, and then it's always a commotion at the boat ramp. Mm -hmm. Be be fluent in what you're doing. I mean, have your stuff ready to go, ready to launch, get out of the way of other people, and then when you come in at Mm -hmm. night, have everything buckled down and ready to get on the boat, get in the truck, get it and, and
1: go. Yeah, get out of the way. And I would say check your equipment too if you haven't launched your boat, because the main holdup that I saw at the boat ramp that day a lot of a lot of chaos. But the main thing that took the longest were um, a, cu- a couple fellas who had a tandem a jet ski trailer, two jet skis on one trailer, and one of their loading straps had broke. So I'm assuming that what happened was they had had those jet skis on the trailer all winter and launched them for the first time, and when they were cranking it back up, it was dry rotter or something. Snap. Mm, snap. So then they were spending all this time on the boat ramp trying to figure out how to get this jet ski. Yeah,
2: just like we was talking about July 4th. Don't yeah. they don't let the first time you flip your navigation lights on no, no. be yeah. July 4th. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, that's bad.
1: Yeah, so I'd say at this point, you know, a lot of people probably been out on the water. But before, if you haven't and you're hitting it for the first time, even if it's a kayak or, heck, if you're going wade fishing or something, just give your gear a once-over because you never know what happens during the off-season. So.
0: Yeah. I was at Holly Bay on Laurel years ago, and it looked like some teenage kids took Daddy's cuddy cabin big boat out and didn't know what they were doing because we came upon them. And it looked like they didn't secure the strap in the front, maybe have cranked it up or like that or didn't. So we look, and the boat had slid off part of the trailer. The skag had caught the uh, the boat ramp and was bent backwards back up underneath of the boat. No. And they were just standing there going, oh, Lord. The <laughs> back up on the lake, people were shaking their fists. That makes off. me think about what Chase is
2: saying. Have your back straps undone, but also don't just totally cut your boat loose from the safety strap and safety chain mm-hmm. because they will come off your trailer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yes, they'll slide off. Yes, you know. yeah, and I, I wouldn't unhook the back straps until you. No, I wouldn't <coughs> drive more than five or. Six seven <laughs> miles an hour with the back straps off, especially around a turn. But, mm-hmm. Yeah, you get up there, unhook those back straps, undo the safety chain, keep the ratchet on, mm-hmm. you get down start your l- motor, and make start sure it run. Right, right, yeah. Then, start then un- look,
0: undoing. then
1: undo it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a simple stuff, but unless you guys have something else you want to hit on, I, I think we ran through most of what I had. Yeah, we have double check mark. It yep. on, blah blah blah. PWC T- oh, tw- oh, too. It. The one thing I didn't I didn't say that the other day. Also windshield time driving in my car. You know you have life skills. And for some reason, swimming to me popped up as a life-saving skill. I don't know if we have a category of life-saving skills mm-hmm. or life skills, but, you know, I think people should learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amazing to me how many adults don't know how to swim. I know. Well, my mom's one of them. Yeah, a lot of a lot of people. Mm-hmm. but uh, Especially
0: people from rural areas, a lot of times just, they, you know, don't yeah. know how to swim.
1: Yeah, but the swimming was the only, that's kind of off topic too. But
0: My I, mother made us because she had a family member drown. I think she saw it. So we it. had swimming lessons as soon as we were
1: age enough. We that's, pre- how I, that's why I got pushed into it. And I'm so glad I learned how to swim. But uh, it was because of the the drowning accident I had. They said, well, Chase needs to know how to swim if he's just going to sink to the bottom every time we put him in a pool. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, I learned it, and I'm glad I did. And I think it's cool. You ever watch the infants learn how to swim? Like the 3 months old 6 months. I've old I've seen them
2: swim, but I haven't watched their process.
1: You, have you, but I mean, sometimes I just take these kids and just push them into the pool. And apparently it's like, you know, instinctive for... Little babies and just like all animals and God, they just,
0: make me nervous as a...
1: Yeah, but there's videos out there of them just like literally taking infants and just pushing them straight into the water and sure enough these kids come up and their heads above water and they just know how to do it. Paddling away. Yeah, it's uh you know, you start wondering, like, I got something about maybe someday I'll have kids and I just can't wait to throw that kid in the pool uh, <laughs> you know I, it looks fun
0: dad's mean mom, mom. mom. mom might not watch dad you threw up. me the pool <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Kristen's the one who showed me these videos so she might beat me too but that's a, we're a long ways from that we're not crossing that bridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, her parents my listener my grandma might listen get excited uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: alright
1: guys appreciate you coming hey, up will be hitting Thanks you up pretty soon so thank you guys Mm-hmm. <laughs>